Welcome to the Information Corner, a broadcast dealing with the news behind the news. Featuring the investigative research of Sam and Trish Britton. And now, here are your hosts, Sam and Trish. Well, 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 we are here. Yeah. We indeed are here. Yes. And uh, I just want to thank everybody for uh, emailing us out there. Um, We had one person email us regarding some difficulties we had this week. I want to start out by letting you know that uh, the website is being updated now. Um, Yes. So uh, we will have the shows um, uh, online as scheduled now. and uh, so, at least as far as I know, I hope everything is going okay for our webmaster, uh, Terry, and uh, blessings to you, and thank you for all that you do. I just hope everything is well with you. And um, and um, uh, we had one little incident of uh, two shows being reversed, so some of you logged in and found uh, last week's show, well, the, the first, first hour and the, yeah. uh, and the last hour being reversed, <laughs> hour two being hour one and hour one being hour two. It is My straight- fault. It's yours yep. truly's fault. It I is straightened to... out. <laughs> it is. And uh, so we got it fixed and everything's back to normal. And um, so um, everything is well with the website. Yes. So there we go. Without any further ado, I want to introduce a very special guest this week. We've been looking forward, and some of you have been asking out there. In fact, quite a few of you have been asking at different times. When are you ever going to have this guest on? Well, your wishes are true today because he is going to be here with us just a minute alan watt is here with us and uh, we're going to have a wonderful time today a wonderful relaxed discussion and uh, for those of you who don't know who alan watt is his website is cutting through the matrix.com and he's got other ones besides that but we'll just give the dot com and you can go in there and oh and, and there's explore. lots there's to lots of stuff oh, in there goodness. you'll be on that website mm. till a long time. It's, it's God a knows great how long. Site. It's a wonderful website, and uh, he's got audio up there of various broadcasts that he yes. has done. He is a researcher. He has been researching the uh, the uh, New World Order. I my hat is off to him because I'm telling you, uh, compared to uh, the stuff that we've done, doesn't even compare. And I'm well, no. and Everybody I'm more does than different that's things. right. And I'm more than willing to take my hat off to somebody like Alan, who's been in this for a long time. And, um, you know, all of us come to this point in the journeys of our lives in different ways, as we've talked about on this broadcast many times before. And uh, I know ours was through a particular experience where we just saw things not as they were, as we were being told that they were. And we started exploring, you know, inquiring minds want to know. Uh, Yes. And one thing led to another. And here we are doing this. But... um, Anyway, uh, Alan is one of the crucial people in understanding how this matrix fits together. I mean, obviously, his uh, website and his books all kind of explain that just by their titles, let alone what is in them. So without any further ado, I want to introduce to you our very special guest, Alan Watt. And uh, Alan, welcome to the Information Corner. It's a pleasure to be here with you. It is absolutely a pleasure to have you here. And... uh, I would kind of like to give our audience a little bit of idea. Um, obviously, you've been a researcher for quite a while, but all of us come into this at a particular time in our lives. Uh, was there a time where um, you just kind of came into this, or did you just start kind of running into things and saying, "Hey, this isn't this isn't the way I was told that it was"? Um, how did how did you come in to start understanding that things were not as we were being led to believe? 
I started very young, very young, by observing adults when I was a child and listening to the problems that the different families had. And when you're young, you can trot in and out of the different houses around you, and you're, you're pretty well ignored, and parents tend to continue with what they're doing amongst themselves. And I heard so many arguments about basic things. And this was in Britain. And their basic problems were just basic needs and money to pay for the basic needs before the age of credit cards and and all of that. Um, people had a hard time just making ends meet. And I thought, well, if, if Britain ruled the waves for centuries and ruled a good part of the planet, how come the majority of people across Britain were poor and didn't own their own homes? People don't realize that most folk in Britain uh, post-World War II did not own their own homes. The majority rented, and that's the way it always had been. Yeah. And the, the, the system was rigged in such a way uh, that if you became a carpenter or a plumber, you would start off an apprentice slave wages, like a, a pound made $2 a week or something like that, uh, for five years. And then you'd have uh, your maximum pay. And that was fixed again across the country. And I thought, well, who does all these fixings to keep a, price, a wage and, and price uh, fixation going? Yeah. And how come... Um, a, a small elite living in and around London had benefited from all of these wars that Britain had been engaged in for centuries. Well, the majority had pretty well nothing. Every couple started off it from scratch, living in a basement apartment or something, and acquiring the, the basic necessities as it went along. And I did my research in adult libraries, even though I wasn't old enough. I made, made friends with librarians, and eventually they let me in after persistence. And I was lucky enough to find old books and reference libraries in Britain, uh, some of them going back to the 1700s, where things that happened were written about at the time. And I, at school, I was being taught completely, a completely different history. Yeah. And I realized that all history had been, like George Orwell said, they rewrite it every generation, and a lot of it goes down the memory hole. It's just gone. And I used to bring up these topics in school to, to ask the teachers, why are we getting taught this fictitious history? And, of course, they didn't know themselves. And eventually I caught on to the other factors. Don't ask too many questions at school. Uh, you become a problem. And I realized that, that if it was today and I was going through school, they'd have me on Ritalin or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah. Definitely. Yes. So, so... We're brought up under what's called governance, not government, but governance. And the whole idea of governance is a world of specialists who use all kinds of sciences, including mass psychology and behavioral psychology, to rule people and to change their, their ways of thinking along a particular path for an agenda. And I, I realized, too, after reading the books like Plato's Republic, where he goes into how culture is created and managed and guided by the elite in all ages. Yes. Including the fashion industry, including the music industry. Um, and he talks about uh, the fashion industry 2,300 years ago. Uh, I realized that when I was growing up and the miniskirt came out and all the, the bell-bottom trousers came out. And yeah. 
and then this suddenly out of nowhere came the pop and then the rock music and I realized this was all guided by by other people at the top for a particular path and so I had to find out why and it wasn't until I got into the writings of uh, Marx and Lenin to find out why uh, the old system of uh, a controlled but behaved society was being destroyed primarily by by separating the generations that I found the answers and in Lenin of course they talked about the necessity to to get a, a separate generation completely indoctrinated, indoctrinated with a different uh, world view and out came the cry don't trust anybody over 30 and it kept dropping yeah. and, and, but we found that sure enough from then on from then on the family unit was totally under attack. It had to be destroyed. Yeah. And then I found the writings of H.G. Wells, who was a propagandist for the British establishment. Um, he said uh, that, um, that the family unit had to be destroyed because the goal of government was so that government could literally come right to your door and no one would stand up for you or around you. You'd be on your own. You'd feel helpless. And that's what they've achieved. Uh, so therefore, they to get a war going between male and female. And so you had the sexual revolution, uh, the women's lib revolution. Oh, yes. Uh, and all the, you know, these, are, these are literally revolutions. We forget. Because you use the term, we always think of revolutions in bloody terms. Most revolutions are bloodless. And they're guided, promoted, heavily financed. And uh, recently, in fact... Uh, a book has come out where the CIA's declassified documentation from the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and 70s in running the complete culture industry has been laid out to the public for the first time, you know, 50 years after they started. And the CIA worked hand-in-glove with Britain, with MI5 and MI6. Uh, they had offices across Europe. They set up magazines. They set up the New Agers. They set up uh, the women, the feminist uh, liberation front, women too, with their own magazines. They funded it all. They funded the art industry. They funded the musical industry. Yes. They decided what we were going to hear, see, talk about, and where. And they were, they were very successful at that for a, for a long-term agenda. And they still run it today. For instance, today, one of the largest contributors to Hollywood and making movies happens to be the Pentagon. So uh, there's nothing out there in society that wasn't planned, debated by, by very wealthy elite specialist type people uh, and then given to the public. All the fads that you see going through society, the trends, even the topics of conversation are all, are, are all downloaded into us and we, we <coughs> become what they want us to be. Well, you know, it's interesting you bring this up, too, Alan, because one of the things I'm seeing right now, and I know friends of ours, uh, we know a dear friend of ours that runs a local restaurant here in the small town in which we live, and you can just see it in the kids that are growing up. The worth ethic stinks. The, yeah, um, the work ethic, the, yeah. Uh, the kids have no regard for anybody other than themselves a lot of times, that you know, and even some adults that are working you know, these days. And um, it, it's hard to find anybody. And then, then you look at... Um, uh, just all over the place. I mean, I, I've had people tell me that they just get to a point where um, they 
they just go and just try to run the business themselves because they can't rely on anybody. And then you have the kids who have uh, no regard for anybody. They, uh, they're they on dope. They're strung out on dope. Um, Whether it's street or prescribed. Street or prescribed. It doesn't matter. That's been blurred um, mm-hmm. by the pharmaceutical companies. Uh, the kids destroy things, break things. We have problems with that around here. And you just see this kind of stuff. And you know, as you look at the way things are being promoted, you know, we've lived in a society now where if it feels good, do it. Well, if you have kids that have no moral values or no moral judgment, mm-hmm. you can get them to do just about anything for you. Well, that, that's the key to it because I always quote Bertrand Russell. Bertrand Russell, who was a British lord, and who was a big player in the setting up of the cultures we've lived through and the ones yet to come, and who wrote about it in his own books, like The Impact of Science on Society and other books. He tells you uh, that he set up experimental schools in the 1920s with permission of the British Crown. And he said the whole idea was to see if, if the school system could bring out a scientific indoctrination into the child so that when the child went home, if the parents tried to pass on values, which they called contamination, by the way, because the the old ones were contaminated with old ideas, Mm -hmm. uh, then those values would not take on the child because the scientific indoctrination would override it. Then the media and the culture industry would take over uh, from the school and further indoctrinate the child. Uh, That has happened. What you're seeing is the effect of that. The state had to destroy all old values, including religion, which was a strong uniting value for for, for different nations in the Western world. And what you're seeing is the the atheistic, humanized religion that was meant to replace it all. And they did know they'd have chaos. They have raised a, a generation for a purpose, uh, brought up on video games uh, with no morality as you understand it, who are taught groupthink, belong to the group, who are ideal for the military. They're already trained to kill, in a sense, by uh, 20 years of playing video games. And this was designed that way. They're also given the, the most basest form of music gradually deteriorating down to rap, uh, which is very primitive because they wanted a primitive uh, generation for this era, for the military, because they're going to use this military not only worldwide, yeah. but on their own people very shortly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and you can see that already because, I mean, these kids, uh, you look at um, a good case in point was uh, uh, one of the key events that really caught my attention. Well, actually, two events in the same location. Katrina was the first one when they sent the people in there to disarm. Not the people who were causing the problems, but yep. the law-abiding citizens who were there in their homes uh, just trying to keep themselves safe. They went in and disarmed those people. And then, of course, you come back to that uh, a couple of years later in the uh, brush with the hurricane that they just had in that same location. And they were talking about uh, tagging everybody and sending them into the uh, the um, what were really, for all intents and purposes, uh, concentration camps. Yeah. And I saw reminiscent of some of the stuff that you would read about in uh, in uh, perhaps Hitler's Germany or even in Stalinist Russia. I mean, you didn't have the mass killings as of yet, yeah. but that's the problem. They ratchet this up a little at a time. Right now it's getting everybody used to being tagged as they're being herded out of the city. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next step is uh, getting the people 
uh, to accept more and more of this stuff until they get them right where they want them, and then they can do whatever genocide they uh, they choose. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. I was going through the, D- the Department of Defense's projection for the next 35, 40 years, and this is the top think tank for the British Department of Defense and NATO. Yeah. And they say right in there that there will be mass movements of populations. Now, that, whenever you read that, you, you always go back to your memory banks. And, and where, did, where did you hear that before? Well, when you heard that they said, this is a hundred years war after 9-11, hmm. you say, well, what do they mean by a hundred years war? What happens in warfare? You have mass refugees being moved. You have ration cards. You have all of the wartime scenario that they saw in, let's say, London or England, World War Two. Yeah. That's what they want to bring in. They want to, to have mass population. They want to have refugees on the roads. And they called them after the first hurricane hit New Orleans a few years ago. They called them uh, refugees. So we're, we're, we're seeing the, the scenario being brought in uh, for, for uh, government to take over everything. Because in a warfare situation, government is a totalitarian system. And we find from the other think tanks that they employ for the Department of Defense, such as the Club of Rome, that came up with the idea of, of, cause, of blaming global warming on the public. Um, right in there, in their own book, uh, the ne- it was called The First Global Revolution, uh, the Club of Rome says that we can only achieve this agenda, this world global agenda, uh, if we can create a war-type scenario. And that means all of the things that happen in war, including mass migrations, must be employed. So this is what they see for the next 30 years. And it even says in the same Department of Defense projection, uh, once they're all in the big cities, pandemics will will likely break out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, will likely break out. How do they know unless they're going to help precipitate the disaster? Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And you see this stuff, there's always a nameless, faceless enemy that's always out there, a boogeyman to keep everybody in fear. Mm-hmm. We can't take for granted that, that there's even such an organization as Al-Qaeda for that. No, I mean, no Al-Qaeda, uh, I went into the, this, this name, Al-Qaeda, Yeah. and it was a term that the CIA used uh, for a loose group of varying organizations that all worked for the CIA during the Cold War, when they were, they were fighting, or at least uh, the Afghanis fighting the, the Russians. And it was really a, a, a sort of um, radio service that they could phone into and use the term Al-Qaeda to be put into different sections of information lines and so on. Yeah. So it wasn't even really a group. Uh, it was just a, a term used for various CIA front groups. It worked good, didn't it? <laughs> it worked very good. Unfortunately. Very well. Yes. Yeah. I mean, not then, for some of us, but I mean for a lot of us. It, and then, of course, uh, another part of this thing is you keep hearing people say, oh, we need to take take our country back. Oh. Get back to the whatever it is, the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was really not ours to begin with. Mm-hmm. At least that's the way it seems, yeah. because, you know, when you go back, in fact, we just did some shows prior to having you on, Alan, uh, with the, you know, regarding the whole issue of the Constitution, how even that was a document written in secrecy. Yes. And how the there's certainly loopholes in there that are allowing for the mess that we find ourselves in. I mean, for example, treaties being the supreme law of the land once they're signed. I mean, mm-hmm. and most people, you know, I hear that it seems to be this, the slang term that, well, 
we need to uh, we need to take our country back, or we need to. Mm-hmm. Take it wasn't this ours. Back. And yeah, yeah. What what's your view on that? Well, when you read the writings of Franklin and Thomas Jefferson, both of them say in their own writings uh, that they hope that the Federation of the, the, the United States would be would lead to a federation of the world. That was their goal. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And they said it would be a federation which eventually would be run by 12 wise men, a council of 12 wise men. Uh, interestingly enough, if you notice, the, the flag they, they made for the European Union is a, a blue square with a circle of stars and mm. 12 stars on it. <laughs> and even though they have many more member countries than 12, they said they'd never go beyond 12 for the flag. So this, this, you're dealing with an occult religion here behind it all. Yes. And there's no secret whatsoever that Freemasonry set up the United States. Um, if, you go, if you walk off the main roads going into the United States from Canada, yeah. and you go along the borders, both mm-hmm. sides, you will find uh, Masonic obelisks from the East Coast to the West Coast. That was how they set up the border. It was a Masonic agreement. And these obelisks are, are spaced out every couple of hundred yards along the border. Wow. Wow. And if you go into the, the, the older, actually I have uh, encyclopedias here uh, and old books going back to the 1700s. And in one of them, I have the tokens that were used bef- in the United States before the Revolutionary War. And the tokens that they used in all different areas uh, for money. Uh, all had the, 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 either an obelisk or a pyramid uh, on them. It was a Masonic country from its inception, even before the Civil War started. And uh, again, the speech that Franklin gave uh, when they, they got George Washington as the leader, he said, he said we, we, we praise you, he says, and as he toasted them, he says, uh, he says uh, the first Grand Master of these United States. Yeah. yeah, that's in the history books. I mean, I mean, how much do we need to? Now remember when they went into the hall, Philadelphia Hall, uh, they boarded up the windows. Yep. Because the Masonic Lodge is the temple with no windows for the public to see through. Yeah. They had guards on the door. The public didn't know what they were doing, and they came out. These unelected men came out, um, and said that they'd given them a constitution. You know, a, a, and there was no public input into it whatsoever. That's right, because no. they started out with the original uh, documentation that they had before that. They started out with the um, Articles, Articles of Confederation, yeah. and all of a Which sudden... Which was never rescinded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, here comes this Constitution, which um, has some of the loopholes that it has, and in a sense has been even... I think about the only thing in the Constitution, it's like I tell people, there's only one part of it that you could keep. It would probably be the, um, the, uh, the first ten amendments. Yeah. But if it was all set up uh, uh, by Masons to begin with, that's that's a big problem too. And then, of course, you know, Washington D.C. is <laughs> that's uh, I understand there's a lot of symbology in that. It's place. Ev- everywhere. Yeah. If you get high on the buildings, you'll see the little little stone images of the phoenix. The phoenix was there uh, before the eagle, and the mm-hmm. phoenix bird is highly symbolic. It changes its system every few hundred years as it's reborn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yes. And we've sure been doing that. I mean, every time we go through a crisis, it's the typical Hegelian dialectic problem, reaction, solution. Yeah. And the solution always fits into the mold of what the uh, New World Order minions have wanted all along. Yes. And, and I think, too, that even the, the Novus Ordo Seclorum, which is the, the, the new secular world order, mm-hmm. uh, you see that in itself. It was to bring in a world order. Uh, and that's that's the function of the United States. It hasn't stopped from its, its beginning to bring in this federation of the world. Remember, the League of Nations was the first step, open step towards it. That was funded completely by the U.S. taxpayer yeah. under Wilson. And it was only the fact that the, the U.S. citizenry weren't too happy at losing their sovereignty that made them back off. But then they came back with World War II. After H.G. Wells said, we need another war, the people aren't ready to give up their independence and sovereignty, well, they brought, they brought on World War II, and, uh, and then they really, really tried to bring in the whole world system after that, but the public still weren't ready, so we've had another 50 years of building up and going round the Constitution, as the CFR said in their own magazines, they go round the Constitution, they've done that completely, and under this new martial law, um, it's well on its way. There's no going back now. Yeah, I know. You, you just tell. Um, the, the, and they're gradually ratcheting it up. Some of you may have seen some of the goings-on, uh, some of the behavior of the police in both uh, Denver and in uh, Minneapolis recently at the conventions, The uh, if you can call them conventions. Um, I call them. It's a farce. A lot of these elections, and yeah. we, we think we're electing somebody. <laughs> but you notice how they're ratcheting up the police state in both of these areas. I mean, they were harassing uh, people just because they could, really. Yes. And uh, they gradually... They don't push this stuff in overnight, and this is how this is how a lot of you are going to wind up wondering what happened when it finally when the final hammer finally comes down, because they don't do this they don't do it all at once they do it gradually, and I, w- I want to take some time to let everybody know that I know some of this may sound strange to you. There were times when I would hear Alan talk about this stuff. I wanted to reject this so badly. I mean it it really kills you to think that everything you thought you knew. Yeah. was a farce. But when I went and did the research on top of, you know, Trish and I did some of the research on top of what he's already done, we had to come back and conclude that, by golly, he was right. Yep. And I've I've come to the conclusion, Alan, that probably 90, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm a little, maybe I'm going too far with this, and maybe I'm not, 98% of the stuff we we think mm-hmm. that we that we think is authentic once we go outside our front door is really just a farce. Yes, it truly is. Um Right now, uh, they plan, we know this because they've written about it themselves, but they, they plan uh, a future society in the Americas of great chaos where massive immigration will come in. It already is. Yes. But, uh, and Spanish-speaking uh, people will basically predominate in a good part of the U.S. Uh, and during that period, there'll be chaos and mayhem. It's not just Mexico. They want to bring all of Latin America in on this. And, of course, the poorer people are expected to flood into the richer nations. Uh, so it's going to be absolute chaos. Jack Satali wrote about it in Millennium. He works at the United Nations. Now that's their projected future. And they talk about the boat people uh, of the world will be those leaving the shores of the U.S. looking for work abroad. They've got a whole new image of this world to come. And it's a world where most people will live in poverty, pretty well, poverty. Um, the third world, uh, the first world countries will go down 
as the, the, some of the lower countries come up to an extent, and there'll be a new elite of bureau, uh, bureaucracy who will be called nomads. They will travel across the world from office to office, wherever they're sent, and they will, they will have high employment, good income, live a good lifestyle. But the rest of the public, really, as this system is to be taken down and the population reduced uh, through a period of chaos, will end up being very, very poor. That's their projected plans. And the Department of Defense sees a period from 2010 onwards of escalating riots and flash mobs, they call them, across the Western world, including the U.S., and they're ready to deal with them, with e even down to dropping uh, neutron bombs on them. This is in a Department of Defense projection for the future. Oh, yes, wow. I know. It, oh, it's, it's you see, so there's no guesswork involved. They tell us what they're bringing on. Yes. They tell us it must be a global society. They tell us that these results are inevitable, and here's how we're going to deal with it. Yes. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I wanted to know something, Alan. When I keep hearing all the time, well, I think people are waking up. I think people are waking up. I'm not really so sure that people are waking up. Mm -hmm. I always say there's a big difference between reacting to information and waking up. Uh, reacting is, is simply when something happens by a law or whatever that affects you personally and you start to become disgruntled. That's not really waking up. That's reacting. Uh, waking up is a process uh, that takes time and there's many levels of it because when you think you've got it all, suddenly, boom, another level takes off. Yes. And you realize, no, this isn't just a small group of men here, there, or somewhere else. Uh, this is a big organization at the top, which it is. Um, we've been governed for a long time by this world system. We have a national and international education system that Karl Marx advised we have. He said you must have the, the children of the world all with the same indoctrination to give them the same reality. That has happened long ago. Uh, the United Nations and UNESCO runs the education systems. We have hundreds of, of um, think tanks working on various aspects of policy, from food uh, to medicine to the types of humans they want in the future. Uh, we, have, we have scientists working alongside them and big scientific institutions with all academia within their own organizations working towards transhumanism, the creation of new types of humans that will supplant us. Uh, we literally are out of the picture. We're left running, uh, fighting at election time over welfare and food stamps and, and stuff like that. That's what they give you at election time. They never mention what really is important. They never mention NAFTA during elections. No. No. And the GATT Treaty that gave all the industry to China. And none of this stuff that really matters is, is given to the public for your input. They don't want you to be concerned about the big picture. They want you to be concerned about your own little life, your food, and, and your entertainment. And that's it. That's for sure. Yeah, and you could sure see that in this. Uh, some of the stupidest things I've seen come out of the uh, reaction of the people, and the ones that I really get aggravated with is the goo goo gaga that a lot of these mainstream Christian churches have done over uh -huh. this election, particularly on the Republican side. And it's and uh, I'll tell you, as a person who used to attend a church at one time, I've lost all respect for them because they don't they don't want to know the truth. I've been trying to wake up people in uh, different churches that I attended at one time, Alan, for years, Trish and I have, and they don't want to know it. Their attitude mm -hmm. is, is that, well, 
the rapture's coming, uh, the golden rope's going to take me out of here, and I'm quite happy this is all going on. Yes, it's quite amazing. As I say to, it doesn't surprise me because mass religion it, it always debases a truth down for the mass, and so you lose all the truths on the way down to ritual yeah. and conformity and control. And they're following someone who supposedly was killed for standing up to the authorities and denouncing them as corrupt and evil. Meanwhile, they want a safe, secure life in the system, which they will stand up for as long as they think they're going to be okay in it and do well in it. And the last thing they want to do is put themselves at risk uh, as the person they supposedly follow did. Uh, they will not do that. They won't stand up to the authorities and say no. They won't say you're evil and you cannot do this. No, they will conform to the end. So for them, just like the New Agers, uh, they, they look for a supernatural way out of it. That gives them uh, the excuse they don't have to put their body in physical harm. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting point. I, I never th thought of it that way, but you're right. They they talk about how they how they believe in Christ the way they do because they will they'll say you know they'll talk about how he rejected uh, authority of that day. And then, on the other hand, then they'll turn right around and contradict it with um, with the uh, Romans chapter, where they say that ev everybody must always be um, obey government, must always obey government, no matter what kind of government it is. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and I always, I always say, well, if they cannot think for themselves, if they only take the red bits that Jesus is said to have said, they'd have to follow him and not anyone who came after. And it was quite clear that he stood up against the bankers. Yeah. He stood up against uh, the corruption within the, the, the priesthood of his day. He even said that, that, that you worship uh, Satan. Um, and uh, he was killed for standing up uh, to, to, to the evil system of money and priesthoods uh, that work hand in glove down through the ages. Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, I um, I know I, I fight a lot of this stuff on an ongoing basis. I mean, I even, um, as a person who uh, is trying to uh, work with our own small town that we live in here, uh, I've been trying my best to alert the people around here to stay out, to, to try to stay away from these uh, New World Order agendas, and they keep going right for them. I mean, it's just... Yeah, they do. Uh, there's, a, there's an amazing amount of propaganda out there, and psychological warfare is, is uh, maximum right now has been for quite a few years uh, because they also give you the whole new age agenda to follow which is fascinating if you like entertainment <laughs> but, but people today cannot tell the difference between entertainment fascination and fiction yeah. uh, so even the new agers are all geared up to being transformed in the twinkling of an eye into a new body and they'll escape all the wrath to come uh, this is the great out for them all. It, it abdicates them of responsibility of having to do anything here in the physical world and put themselves in jeopardy. So, really, what we're saying, really, as far as how back, how far back this all goes, Alan, you can take this. Um, of course, obviously, we know there's been people that have wanted to take over the world for eons. I mean, even yeah. before the creation yeah. of the United States. Mm -hmm. But it was uh, right around the time that the Declaration of Independence was signed that oh, uh, the Illuminati. That's one of the key points where. I think you have uh, certainly the effort to form world government, but this goes back even further than the uh, oh, yeah. the latest uh, with the Illuminati, doesn't it? Much further, much further. If you really look at history and you understand, especially from the Greeks, who wrote a lot about philosophy and histories, 
and what makes people work or, or tick and what makes societies work um, and how to manipulate societies. They understood behaviorist psychology perfectly well yes. back, back in those days. And they also uh, knew how to create empires. And each empire, <coughs> money itself, money was the key to everything, really. That's why they give so much acclamation to an attribution to Nimrod because Nimrod supposedly was the first builder of cities and within a city the artificial structure uh, you cannot feed yourself or anything you need a, a, something to to negotiate goods and bring in and so they created money and so for a city system which is artificial and abnormal you've got to have this thing called money then the cities could with that money hire standing armies and with the standing army, they used to send them off into the rural areas and force the peasantry to accept the money uh, rather than just barter and trade. And fr from then on, you're building an empire, a bigger and bigger army to go off and conquer. And so down through the ages, you can see wherever the money moves with the elite moving with it, when they move with it, the country that they set up before collapses. But meanwhile, the country they've moved into starts to suddenly flourish all down through the ages. And that happened all the way down through Holland and Britain and eventually to the United States. So wherever the money comes into it, that's the country that's been chosen to lead their part of the New World Order. Um, the money is to be scheduled to be moved off out of America in the next 15 years or so. And America is scheduled to basically collapse in and itself once that has happened. So every major character down through the ages uh, especially the ones they call the great like Alexander the Great it's very important it's, a, it's, a, it's an esoteric tradition to put the word great after them or the conqueror like William the Conqueror these people help to build the, uh, bigger and bigger empires which are just takeover bids these, this is like corporate war taking yeah. over countries big business plans and what they do when they take over uh, more and more countries into an empire is to standardize all laws throughout that empire. You centralize laws, as Karl Marx said, and then you centralize everything, including education, so you're all having the same indoctrinations and having the same reality. So we're seeing that the finish of this in our own lifetime as they go for the Middle East. Islam is the last fortress that they must destroy because it's the vestige of the old system of family unit laws uh, that work for them. They certainly worked for long enough for them. They didn't have the drug problems and so on. Uh, that's to be outlawed. And this standardized system is to be standardized to them as well. So shortly they'll have abortion factories. They'll have the strip joints, the drugs. And then they will be helpless as they entertain themselves to death. They will be ruled by totalitarian governments just the same as we are. You know, you bring up this interesting point because one of the things I've been trying to get across to people is to understand that these wars that we find ourselves in are not what you think they are. And one of the pieces of evidence that I've used in this is I said, you're told on the one hand that we need to go and fight those awful Muslim fascists, they're called. And, you know, you've always heard that term. Islamofascists, yes. you hear that, right? That's right. Okay. Then at the same time, what is the fastest growing religion in the prisons here in the United States? It's the Muslim religion. That's right. So you can't have it both ways, and then what do they do? They bring us a president out of the woodwork, at least on the Democratic side, a presidential candidate, a puppet, who, from my understanding, maybe you know some more that I don't, apparently has ties to the Muslim religion himself. 
oh, I'm sure you'll have, you'll have fingers in different pies. That's generally what these guys are. Um, he's been well groomed for his position. It probably probably bred for his position, I would say. Yeah. Yes. And I've noticed that with some of them, they're actually bred for their positions, just like Armand Hammer was. Yes. Uh, Armand yeah. Hammer was bred for his position. He was given to the top. Uh, rabbi who was a leader of the communist party for the u.s at the age of five so he left home at five to be trained for his role in life and these characters are very similar when you look into their background and their mothers it's always the mother's lineage you look at not just the father yes and um his mother was definitely uh led out into the world to fulfill her role and and go for uh, specific people so I've no doubt about it. Um, these people are bred for their positions, and they do fulfill totally indoctrinated. They are globalists, and uh, that's the farce of it, really. They, they use patriotism and, and your tribal emblems when they run for office. Uh, they use all the right slogans to make you think you're still a country. Once they're in office, they go full steam ahead with a global agenda. Yeah. yeah, and then they start using the terms like, world citizen and global citizen and this yeah. kind of thing you know it's actually getting taught in british schools now world citizenship and world citizenship came from the royal institute for Inter international affairs it was set up by cecil rhodes in the 1800s uh, joined with lo the lord alfred Mildred, milner group the round table society yeah. they became the royal institute for international affairs and the council in foreign relations and they, you'll find that Rockefeller has been for 20 or 30 years handing out awards to all the top people, including Kissinger and so on, giving them world citizenship awards. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, as we know, the media is owned by a lot of these same people. This is why your media is the same way. And one of the things yeah. that we have to guard against is that uh, the alternative media outlets, as they are being termed, don't wind up the same way, and unfortunately we see too much of that going on as well. Yeah, they kind of do wind up the same way in the end, though, it seems. Well, they do, and that's the scary part of this whole thing. We don't want to become... There is a lot to be fearful of, but there are things that we can do in our own sphere, and trust me, we're not going to leave you totally bleak. You know, We're, we're going to give you suggestions. But there are legitimate fears. There are legitimate reasons to be um, to be concerned. But there's also uh, illegitimate concerns that yeah. are being used to distract you from the real yeah. things. Because if you really put your mind and concentration on the real things, then you might have a chance at upsetting the apple cart for these people. And this is why you have to be distracted. Isn't that correct, Alan? Well, absolutely. Uh, we, we, you know, it's hardly a topic in daily life that you'll hear from people that wasn't given to them again by psychological disinformation specialists. Yes. Because there is a psychological warfare program always running, has been running all through World War II and, and, and right on till today. And back in the 60s and 70s, the, internet, the same characters, CIA, MI6 and so on, who were running the culture industry, were running psychological operations and they looked at all the scenarios they could possibly bring into being to control the minds of people, to, to um, take them off in, in the wrong tangents and waste their time or literally disable them mentally. And they brought in the whole New Age concept. That was part of it, which takes you into another region, another realm of la-la land that's ongoing. Uh, it, it, it divorces you from reality to such an extent you don't participate physically in reality. But they also brought in the concept uh, of, I think it was, I can't remember if it was a Jason or the Monarch program, but they talked about uh, if we can convince the public 
that they were created as an inferior species by superior aliens, then psychologically the war would be over because they would believe we cannot conquer superior beings. So they came out with all the UFO stuff. Yes. Yes. And then they brought out forth guys like Zachariah Sitchin, who, yes. who, who brought book after book after book. And at the end, the end of it all, and I've heard people phone me who, who've read all this stuff say, oh, we can't beat them, Alan. You know, there's aliens running this, and they're, they're much more intelligent than we are. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. So, that, so their minds had been disabled already. Yeah. yeah. That, that's what psychological warfare is for. <laughs> and this is what you got to watch out, because I know there's one late-night show, and I'm not going to mention names, but you know who I'm talking Everybody about. Everybody knows. Everybody knows who it is that pushes yep. this agenda. Yeah. And they go down this road, and it's all an effort to destroy distract you from the real thing if they can get your mind disabled so that you are paralyzed as far as dealing with the real thing yeah. you're you're immobilized you're done yeah and i could be on that show every two weeks if i would go along with that agenda i imagine you I could, bet you could. Oh, no i was told that oh, i wouldn't doubt my. it a bit yeah. yeah i don't doubt that at all well, I am yes, um, just blessed that you did that. Uh, that you, you have, didn't that you want took to go a, along with it. Took a stand, and sometimes taking a good stand on something is not the most popular, but it's the right thing to do, Alan. It's the right thing, and, and definitely, I've had offers from a lot of the, the, the people who are on that show and who are leading this new age movement and so on under the guise of patriotism. And mixing the new age together, yes. if I go on board with them, I could be sitting pretty financially. Oh, man. I'm not surprised. And, you know, some people, another thing I hear is uh, they want easy solutions to things. And, you know, there are sometimes there are no easy solutions. Yeah. If there are any solutions at all. I mean, sometimes you just... <laughs> I, I put know. it this way, Alan. Uh, what was it? Not well, yeah, it was last week yeah. on the last week's broadcast. Yeah. I said, you know, I said one of the things we have to understand is that none of us have ever faced anything like this in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. This is something that we have to keep our minds aimed at the at the right issues, and we're going to have to understand that maybe some of the things that we try are not always going to work. But no. but the point of the matter is is that you if you're looking for an easy solution in this, the easy solution should have been a long time ago before all the indoctrination started yeah. happening. And now we're at a point now where uh, there there are solutions, but they're but they not may easy. not be easy. Yeah, and a lot of the solutions now, as you say, would have had to be used at the beginning of, yes. of each part of the agenda. You nip things in the bud once they've already happened. You can't go back. You simply can't go back. No. You have to look for a new method, a new way, a different direction. And truly, it it, it, it surely is an individual battle because. It won't be until people literally have got a value system, a common value system. They don't have that today, you see, mm -hmm. and uh, something worth um, standing up for. Uh, that's the only way you could divert this off in a different direction. And even then, you'd have leaders supplied to you to take you off back into the loop in, an, in, yep. in another direction. Yep. Um, you have to have common values to stand for, which, you can, which can never be altered. Yeah. Never behold. There are eternal truths that cannot be altered, and if you can bring forth eternal truths and get people to accept them and agree upon them, then you would have a chance of, of not hitting this thing head on. You never fight the, the masters of war head on. You, they're, they're masters of war. You've got to hit them at a tangent into a different direction that they did not plan. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they're just, they're just very basic ideas. I mean, just, I mean, for example, Alan, I would not do to you something that I would not want done to me. You know, I mean, we have people out there who have no idea of when they mistreat people, when they do things to their, uh, to their uh, fellow man that, uh, they wouldn't want it done to them, but they'll go and do some of the same things because they, all they care about is just themselves. And that's, that's why the government is getting away with what they're doing with searching people here and there or, or grabbing people off the streets and taking them into custody under the War Measures Act and they, don't, they can hold them as long as they wish. No one really cares today unless it's themselves, right. unfortunately. So the bonding between people has been almost completely destroyed. Uh, now, again, that was a tactic written about in the 50s by people like Bertrand Russell. He said we shall create an egocentric society and when people are egocentric and hedonistic, they will only do that which is pleasurable to themselves, and they will ignore pain on others. So that's what we're seeing happening today. You're a selfish, hedonistic society. They've been taught to be good consumers and to live in their own little worlds of pleasure. And when someone's abused or, or killed by the cops or tasered to death or whatever, they don't care. They, don't, they literally don't give it a second thought, as long as it's not them. Yeah, yep. as long as it's not That's in their right. backyard. Yes. I fight that all over the place here. I mean, uh, we. Um, um, one of the things um, I got into here, and sometimes uh, sometimes it's it works out pretty good, and sometimes it's not so good. <laughs> I wound up as being a local alderman for this town, and one of the things that I'm fighting on a constant basis is uh, trying to back off some of the New World Order agendas that affect people here locally. I mean, there's so much stuff, you know, that were property rights being attacked. And I, I can tell you one conversation I had with one of our other aldermen here a while back. I <clears throat> We got on the subject of the international building codes. Yeah. And we've got copies of them. And I've been warning the rest of our um, aldermen in our city government here that these things are to be abandoned. We have no business dealing with these things. And, and we've been almost all but screaming it at these people. And uh, then a couple of weeks ago, there was a complaint that came from uh, one of the businesses here that every time they go to do something, the code is different. The first, the inspector will go out there and say, well, you need to do it this way. And then he'll come back later and say the code is different. And we're trying to tell them it's because the international codes are up to interpretation. Yep. And I cannot get it through these people's heads for nothing. This thing well, and is, they won't read it. This see. thing is filled with ill intent. Oh, absolutely, and I, I know some of the the chief building officers in for, for federal for states for big uh, for U.S. states. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they tell me, and they send me copies of this stuff. It's all coming from the United Nations. Absolutely, yes, it is. Yeah, and they they have organizations set up now within the United States and inspectors, which they're going to turn loose on the public shortly, and it will be un- impossible. To, to keep up with the building codes, financial or otherwise. It'll be impossible, and they plan to levy massive fines on people who have substandard this, that, or whatever, even dented dented downpipes in your yes. in your roofing system for water. I mean, this is where it's all to go, because they don't... The, the system they brought up, and this is an Agenda 21, the agenda for the 21st century for yes. the United yep. Nations, yep. it says there will be no private property eventually in these habitat areas. 
yep. to be rental accommodation only. So they have to start to eliminate all private property. That's always been the goal of these characters that have been on the go for centuries. But it'll be rental yep. with a caveat. You pay yep. all the, for all the repairs. You will pay for all the repairs. Uh, you'll have no tr uh, public transportation. It will be outlawed. It'll be, it'll be public transport only. But you'll also be uh, subject to restrictions of living in a certain area that you cannot move out of without permission. Now, that's what they had in the Soviet Union, which was the model for all of this. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. It's uh, the point I've been trying and trying and trying to drive home, and it's like uh, talking to a brick wall, Alan. And, uh, yes. and uh, you know, it's... Um, it, it isn't just the fact you can't explain it to people or they don't want to hear. No. It's also the fact that, and here's the thing about money, <laughs> Uh, people who have jobs, and how, how many times have they said, well, I'm just doing my job? Yeah. But when the bailiff comes or, or something comes, I'm just doing my job. Um, or they're taking your house off you because you, you've got a bent down pipe and, and, and so, and your runoff system. So, I mean, this is what it's coming down to. People, uh, people will do anything for their paycheck. Uh, they can somehow sublimate it and accept it for themselves. Uh, and, uh, this humanity is being lost all the time. Each time that happens, humanity is lost. Our humanitarian attitude is lost. Our natural human responses are being blunted and destroyed. Uh, that should not be allowed to happen. No. Uh, and um, as far as I'm concerned, if every creature on this planet under the Earth Charter that is not human has rights, including where it stays and lives and so on, and is not taxed, why are we humans, who are also naturally here on this planet, attacks for the little hovel we live inside to keep ourselves from the elements and the weather? I mean, you're, you're not safe. You cannot be safe if others have access to your property. You know, that's right. an interesting point, right. because one of the things that I've, when I first took this on here locally, one of the things I told some of our people here, with some of the people I met here, I said, you're going to have to decide what services of government you can live with and what you can live without because that's the that's the basis for which you are being taxed and of course the way they get these people backed into a corner it's just like some of the people that we have here locally that have sewer issues you know we i get a call ever so often from somebody that talks about you know their basement backing up or something like that and the sewer water coming back from the city sewer into the into the basement and uh and yet by the same token, if we weren't all on these massive systems, if we were on something where we had our own uh, isolated septic systems, these wouldn't be the problem. I mean, now, yeah, you got to know how to put them in and that kind of thing. But when you get the public all draining into one massive system and... You know, these are things, then then they're forced to have to look to government for all their solutions instead of being able to look to themselves. Because if government doesn't fix the quote-unquote public system, yep. then they continue to have the problem. Yeah, and also what you find out too, and it was under the, 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 the program by Karl Marx, where, remember, the, one of the first planks was centralization of government. Mm -hmm. And when you centralize government, then you literally... Um, uh, can make all laws standardized across a country or, a, or across a world. Yeah. And that's what they're doing now, uh, centralization of government. We find it started in the school system. That was the first thing Lenin said. It had to be, this, you must get to the young generation coming up so you can indoctrinate them so they'll have nothing in common with their parents. 
And so when the, the federal government starts giving out grants to schools or to any institution in your local area, in with it comes the price tag because their conditions go along with it. Yeah. And you've just opened the door for intrusion. And once they're in that door, they'll, they'll, they'll just keep moving in, in in greater numbers until they are running that system. So we've found that with the educational system, you can't take anything from a federal government and, and still win a battle. They're going to win it. That's that's exactly my point, and that's where they get us with the grant money and stuff like that, too. Mm-hmm. And yes, that's how it's done. And they found that even in Canada here, I think Quebec recently, yeah. um, some Catholic schools were, were, were uh, pulling their children out of them because they're now teaching comparative religions and Hinduism and so on. Uh, in those schools, and of course, it's all because they accepted federal funding. Yep. You, yep. Can't, you cannot compromise with these guys because these guys do not compromise. Mm-hmm. It's their way or no way, and it's all to do with with grants, etc. Same with the police. They wanted. Uh, you find in the U.S. they start started to have state police. In Canada, we had provincial police. It's the same thing. Yeah. And they overtook gradually, town after town, village after village, did away with your local sheriff. And, and now you have the state police that now are under the federal police. So you're seeing centralization of wherever you look, and it's the same in the housing industry, all building codes, etc. Everything comes from the top, and in turn it, it comes from the United Nations for a world system where that is standardized across the whole planet. And again, it falls in with Agenda tw- Every part of it, in fact, falls in with Agenda, agenda 21. Agenda 21, yes. absolutely. Couldn't Certainly agree with you more. Do. Well, as I'm speaking to you, even right now, we have some of uh, we have one alderman, our city administrator, uh, our mayor have attended a conference in and Springfield put on by the Missouri Municipal League for the state of Missouri, which is a which is a member of an organization called the National League of Cities, which is a non-governmental organization of the UN. That's right. That is right. And, and we've had them here in Canada too. Yep. There's also one for all the mayors, and uh, yep. they, they go off abroad on their holidays and do tours of the red light district in Holland and so on. <laughs> and uh, and it's all international. These are all international organizations, and so all your local institutions have already been taken over, and they, they are internationalized, not just federalized. Yeah, that yeah. is for sure. Yeah, and it's very quiet. It's you don't it, a person on the on the uh, who's not paying real close attention would never see it. It's yeah. not until you get in and start really digging into things that you find out just how massive it is. And and I know a lot of the people. I won't say all of them. I mean, I've talked to a couple of our aldermen who know what's going on because I've shared radio broadcasts that we've done, and I've shared. Um, these codes, for example, we ordered copies of those codes, PDF copies, and and, mm-hmm. uh, and shared them with uh, with a couple of our, uh, other aldermen that we know here. But the rest of them, they don't care. They just the grant money looks good. Mm-hmm. The um, you know all the handouts look good, and by God, they're going to take them because it's all about bet- bettering the community. Yes, and what they found too, even when you read ancient religions and histories, etc is a very interesting fact that yeah. uh, you'll find that Arnold Toynbee, uh, who was the, the teacher of Rhodes Scholars at Oxford, he wrote a lot, a lot of books on this topic because they were using all of this system. They found that when, say, the Romans invaded another country, the, the, the bureaucracies of the invading or the invaded country uh, were the first ones to, to, to merge with the bureaucracies of the invaders. 
Yeah. And you'll find the same thing today. They know uh, which way the wind's blowing. Opportunists always do. They gravitate to the top. And, and you'll find that the mayors and so on would, would quite gladly uh, take whatever bribes or, or, or gifts they're given uh, and status to to move on to a higher position, even if it was halfway across the world. See, they're already internationalist in their own frame of mind. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And then if you don't take it and the town looks bad, then because the public doesn't know what's going on, then you get it from the public because you're you're letting the town go down. That's correct. So they really get you between a rock and a hard place, don't they? They they do. And the public today have had the same techniques uh, used with more science behind them, but the same techniques of bread and circuses where they're kept out of the loop of what's really going on uh, by massive entertainment, just like in Rome uh, during its, its heyday when they really were declining. I mean, Rome lived on the tax money coming in from all its conquered territories, and you had an elite there who were constantly living higher and higher on the hog and having bigger, bigger parties and spending the money. Uh, and But the public, who ended up with no work, were given what was called the dole. They doled out the food and wine every day and gave them the circus where they could go and see gladiators fighting and horses racing. Entertainment, massive entertainment and sports as it was all going down the tubes. But that kept them disinterested. They didn't say, oh, what's, what's Nero up to here? Or what's, what's the Caesar up to? Yeah. Um, they, they, they were so involved with all the pettiness of instant gratification and pleasure that they kept out of the affairs of those things which they should have been looking at. That was what was affecting their own lives. Absolutely. So that's what they've done to the public of the world now. We've never had an era of such massive um, amounts of, of entertainment, and yet even the entertainment is geared towards downloading you and everything, even comedies, with politically correct ideas for the next phase. You got it. Yes. And with that, I think it's time. We'll take a break for our Dixie listeners there to get caught up on what Dixie Broadcasting wants to run. And then we'll be back with more. You're listening to the Information Corner, where our very special guest is Alan Watt. And I just want to thank you, Alan, for being with us. And we'll be right back in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. There's a whole lot more where this came from. Oh, there's a whole lot more to come in the next hour. Sam and Trish will be back right after these messages. 